IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to IB Talk, the weekly and global podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. I'm Paul Lucas, the managing editor of Insurance Business. And if there is one topic, one story that has been so significant over the last few weeks that it has even displaced the coronavirus pandemic at the top of the news cycle, it is, of course, the George Floyd murder and the subsequent Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, The insurance industry has been battling diversity issues of its own for many years. And while it's made progress, uh, look no further than the dive-in festival or indeed the popularity of our own women in insurance events, uh, there's little doubt it has a long way to go and that this is an issue we can't shy away from and think is a problem that's already solved. Uh, That's why I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest, who is very much at the heart of trying to change perceptions and create real change in the industry. Uh, She is a senior associate at DWF Law uh, and also co-chair of the Insurance Cultural Awareness Network, Kishan Mangat. Kishan, uh, welcome to Ivy Talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, So before we get into the obvious topic, um, tell us a little bit about your background. Now, you've spent, I think, the the last eight years or so at several top insurance law firms, including the likes of uh, Kennedy's, DAC, Beechcroft, now, of course, DWF. Um, What attracted you to law in the first place? Um, Well, I actually, my first degree was in English literature. Um, I was working in Goldsmiths, I was at Goldsmiths in South East London. Um, and in my third year of university, I got a lo- I got a job at a local law firm, um, literally just up the road from where I was living at the time, so not far from the college. Um, and I started working there as a, a receptionist. Um, they did a mixture. It was a high street firm, so they did a mixture of law. It was immigration law. There was criminal law. Um, all the really sort of fun, exciting areas of law Um, and I worked my way up over the summer to becoming a paralegal and the senior partner there actually said I think you've really got a knack for this you may want to give you know uh, the conversion course a a, a thought because at that point you could convert to law um, after doing a two-year course Um, and he sponsored my application actually to get into law school so um, yeah that was that's mainly the reason why Um, I just enjoyed the fact that you got to um, speak to people, that no case was the same, uh, so every day was very different, um, and I just enjoyed that sort of interaction with people. That's quite a, a trek up the, the ladder, isn't it, to start out as a receptionist? Yes, well, it was it was a very small firm, and they needed as many people as possible who would uh, who would help out. So, yeah, started out as a receptionist, uh, worked there for over a year um and within six months they asked me to be a part-time paralegal because I was still finishing my last year at university um, and I did and yeah I never looked back afterwards I, I really enjoyed the journey that I've gone on to actually become qualified because it's not easy yeah so like I said you you've obviously spent a, a lot of time at you know some huge insurance law firms yes. uh, what made you focus in on the insurance sector I think it was the um, the fact that I really wanted to do litigation um, and I really wanted to, because I felt with litigation, or I still do actually, is that you really do get to see the human side to a case. Um, you get to liaise quite closely with clients. Um, and when I was doing my research around firms and around areas of law, I realised that insurance law 
um, you could practice litigation there. And also, it was a, an industry that I didn't know very much about. But when I started researching it, I realized it was very relationship based, very focus based uh, on, on, sorry, very focused on people. Um, and I really liked the idea of that. Um, and when I started doing more research around it, um, some of the case law around the large catastrophic injury claims, which are what I deal with now, um, was really interesting. Um, just looking at judgments and seeing, you know, um, thoughts around predicting one's life and uh just yeah it was it was really interesting actually so I, I just like the idea of working quite closely with clients and uh building those relationships I, I appreciate you probably can't give us uh, sort of specific details but um are there any sort of you know big cases that you've been involved with so far that you can you know give us a, a summary of um there are a few that I've worked on that have been fairly high profile um that there were i i worked quite closely um on uh it's not a particular uh particularly nice area to to talk about but uh some large abuse claims uh in the uh sector of of care and um child abuse claims i've worked on as well um which are high profile but again very emotive um, in terms of the the subject matter, um, I've worked on some large catastrophic claims where um, you know some high profile individuals have been involved in in those claims. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really mention names, but it is very interesting some of the work that I have done. Yeah, and I guess when you do have you know those cases that are you know like you said perhaps not the, the easiest to talk about, but I, I guess you know that must sort of prompt you know a, a real passion f- f- uh, from you. You know, you must really feel like you know you, you you want to sort of make things work and and, and go well for the clients that, that you're dealing with. Yeah, definitely, and I think from um, an insurer's point of view, especially in those sorts of claims, I mean, insurers are often painted as the bad guy because you know somebody brings a claim and. Um, it's whether or not, you know, we pay the compensate or, you know, insurer clients pay the compensation. But I mean, a lot of those claims, insurers are not necessarily saying that they don't want to pay compensation. It's just quantifying that the right amount is paid effectively um, to ensure that that person, you know, is properly compensated for whatever injuries that they've, they've had to endure. Now, I have to ask uh, while, while we have you, um, where do you stand on on obviously the COVID nineteen uh, business interruption lawsuits? Because I think that's perhaps the the most dominant sort of insurance law issue right now. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think it will be really interesting to see. I appreciate that there are quite a few large carriers um, who are bringing test cases um, in terms of policy wording at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what results from that um, in terms of judgments and what how judges, you know, um, are prepared to interpret wording effectively. I do think it'll be really interesting, especially given the fact that COVID-19 is, you know, completely unprecedented in, in this age, um, in, in terms of the modern age of what we're dealing with. So, yeah, yeah it'll so, be interesting. I mean, let, yeah, let's, let's talk about... Um... ICANN, uh, the Insurance Cultural Awareness Network, ICANN for short. Yeah. Um, so for our, our listeners outside the UK in particular, um, yeah. tell us what it is, uh, what its purpose is, and indeed uh, how it was set up. 
Yeah, so ICANN was founded in 2017 um, by a group of insurance professionals. Uh, We came together to consider some of the challenges that were facing people of colour and those from outside of the UK who were working in the UK insurance sector, um, particularly around black, Asian and minority ethnic, so BAME inclusion, and attracting a diverse talent pool to the insurance sector. Um, So we started in 2017. We are now a committee of eight people. We are all volunteers, so we all do this off the side of our desk. Um, ICANN focuses predominantly on multicultural inclusion within the insurance industry for BAME and international colleagues um, and we focus in particular on career progression within the industry. Um, So we want to promote concepts such as intersectionality um, and the fact that there's a, a commonality which is a crucial aspect of successful inclusion within the market. Um, we run various initiatives at the moment. So we have an initiative called I Can Apply, whereby we've partnered with a recruitment company um, to start advertising roles in the insurance industry on our website. Um, the reason why we're doing this, this is because when we've spoken with many of our members, um, we're 800 plus members strong. So we've got quite a, quite a following at the moment. Um, When we've spoken with our members in the past, we've noticed that a lot of our members were saying that a barrier to um, climbing the ladder in the insurance industry for them uh, was the lack of opportunity. They weren't seeing enough um, opportunity to move up the career ladder, especially when they were maybe five or six years into their careers within the insurance industry. And you're looking to kind of make that jump into sort of management um, a lot of our, our our members were saying that they couldn't see those opportunities. So we wanted to show that those opportunities were there. Um, Aston Charles, which is the recruitment company that we've partnered with, they reached out to us having seen um, some of the posts that we were posting on social media. And one of the directors there, completely off his own back, reached out and said, I really like some of the work that you're doing. Is there a chance to work together? Um, and we you know, thought actually, yeah, this could be really positive. So that's one of our our, um, our um, initiatives that we're running at the moment. We've got another one, which we launched in October of last year called Inspire. Uh, this focuses on the mentoring aspect of inclusion. So um, one of the issues that I think many um, BAME and international people feel in the insurance market is that, um They're not entirely sure how to make the next step within their career. And they often, you know, could do with the the resource of a mentor. Um, So that was quickly identified by ICANN. And we've partnered with PwC and the uh, IWIN, who are the Insurance Women's Independent Network. They're part of the Worshipful Company of Insurers. Um, We've partnered with those two um, organizations to actually create an initiative whereby we have a um, a bank of mentors which you can find on the ICAM website and um, if you become an ICAM member you get access to those mentors and you can then liaise with those mentors um, to effectively start your own mentoring relationship um, and we encourage all of our members to do this so those are two big initiatives that we're running at the moment um, 
we've done lots of events around uh, career progression. So last year for diving, we did an event around the pay gap, which we identified as being a really big issue, especially in light of the gender pay gap. Um, and we know and we're hoping that, you know, organisations in this country um, will be eventually um, forced to, to, to start collecting ethnicity data and to then, you know, report on their pay gaps in terms of, um, of ethnicity. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, there are a lot of people out there who think, you know, I see someone who's 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 black or, or of a different ethnicity at my workplace. Uh, maybe I've even got several colleagues that are not Caucasian, and so problem solved. Uh, why do we need to keep hearing about this? How, how how big of a problem do you think this really is within the insurance industry? I think it's um, it's it's yeah. I mean, I think it is quite a big problem. It is a big problem, definitely. Um, I think when you look at um, the stats, for instance, um, I think 6.7% of all senior positions in the UK um, are BAME. But in the insurance sector, it's only 3.6. So it's just under half, effectively, um, of of the positions, you know, in the insurance sector are are held by BAME individuals. Um, And I also think that whilst you may see some colleagues, you know, who, who don't necessarily look like you, who are um, of a BAME background or an international background, um, I think one of the issues that we've identified is that we don't necessarily see a lot of BAME um, individuals in senior management roles within the industry. Um, and that's something that we're looking to try and fix effectively as, as a network. Um, we want to um, we want our members to be eventually those senior members um, in the industry and we're, we're creating initiatives to kind of, you know, arm our members with the tools in which to do that and to also retain um, BAME individuals. I think that's one of the big issues that the insurance industry has at the moment is that we're really good at attracting talent from diverse pools. We've got, you know, various um organizations like I know the CII do a lot of work around that um, but ultimately there is this um, issue of BAME individuals come into the industry they do you know whatever graduate recruitment scheme they're, they're doing and then they feel that because they don't necessarily see a lot of people that look like them they may feel a bit uncomfortable and as a result um, they, they choose to move into other industries and I do feel like there's this big issue where we aren't retaining a lot of talent um, so by things like the mentoring scheme that we've set up um, and the I Can Apply scheme that we've set up, the recruitment scheme, we're hoping to try and retain that talent within the market. Yeah, I was going to ask you, actually, I mean, do you think insurance has a, a little bit of a perception problem, if you want, where, where people of, of different backgrounds just don't see it as an industry for them, perhaps because, you know, it, it's so naturally associated with, you know, the proverbial middle aged white man? I think um, I think there there is there was that issue. I definitely do think that that issue is is um, is still prevalent. Um, but I do think that the market is trying to change the image. I mean, for instance, you've mentioned this as well. The diving festival. Um, I mean, diving is huge now. It started five years ago, um, and it was to promote inclusion in the market and now it's stretched globally I think last year it you know it stretched to 133 countries 
Um, it was holding events all over um, the world. So I think if anything, if, uh, you know, initiatives like that and uh, events like that are seeking to show that the industry can be inclusive and that there's a place for everybody effectively. And the counter argument, of course, if, you know, if, if we are sort of promoting these initiatives, et cetera, yeah. is that there's a risk that, you know, promoting black or, or other races ahead of white colleagues and, and that, a, you know, potentially, a, a, you know, a, a less skilled black colleague might get a job that a higher skilled white, white colleague might have otherwise got because of their race, positive discrimination. Um, should employers look to actively employ, sorry to use probably a crass phrase here but but blacks over whites in some circumstances i think um i think in terms of closing the gap i think i think it ultimately comes down to the person that gets the job should get the job on the basis of skills it's a meritocracy in that sense but to not identify the fact that um you know black colleagues maybe haven't been given the opportunities, maybe because, you know, they're from a socioeconomic background that doesn't afford, you know, the opportunities that maybe some of their white colleagues in the market may have. Um, I think it's it's less about promoting people over one another, but, you know, maybe white colleagues understanding the fact that, you know, some of their black colleagues are going through, um issues that maybe they may not know about and and maybe seek to be an ally of a black colleague as opposed to I don't think it's just a straightforward case of positive discrimination is the thing that we should be doing at the moment I think it's a case of ensuring that there is still a meritocracy that the right person does get the job but also understanding that there are obstacles that black and Asian and ethnic minority colleagues in the industry do face and to maybe re- remove those obstacles so that they do have the same opportunities as their as their white colleagues. So it's it's about not necessarily choosing, uh, you know, a, a, a black person over a white person in an interview, but more a case of making sure that both a black person and a white person are at that interview in the first place. Exactly, that it's a level playing field for everybody. I think is is effectively what ICANN is seeking to do at the moment. We're seeking to say you know, um, despite your background, despite, um, you know, whether or not you come from an affluent background as well, um, or, you know, you come from an inner city council estate, um, that ultimately you can come into an industry and be given the same opportunities as everybody else. Um, So yeah, it's definitely about creating more of a level playing field for everyone. So can I ask uh, what your background is? Obviously, you have a, a British accent. Yes, I do. Um, so my father is Indian. He's from the Punjab in northern India. Um, he came here when he was 16, back in the 1960s, early 70s. Uh, my mother is Trinidadian, so she's from the Caribbean. Uh, she came here again when she was quite young to train to be a nurse. She was 16 at the time. So neither of my parents um, had gone to university. So for them, uh, the fact that, you know, I had achieved a degree was a huge source of pride for them. Um, and it was always something that they taught me. Um, 
so yeah, my background is very mixed. Um, my husband's background is even more mixed. He is half Trinidadian um, and half English German. So um, when we got married a couple of years ago, our wedding photos are truly diverse. And we have family from all over the world, which is great. So uh, have you then, um, I don't know whether it's a case of either encountered discrimination yourself or mm-hmm. have you perhaps at times felt that because of your own background that that you've perhaps not had opportunities others have had? I think um, in terms of discrimination, I have definitely encountered discrimination. Um, I've encountered it um both in the workplace and outside. Um, I think within the workplace, it's been a little bit more, um, less overt. Um, So I have been told before not to go for promotions um, because, you know, I probably won't get it because I'm not, you know, a white middle-aged man. I don't really fit that club sort of thing. Not, Not overtly said to me, but it was pretty much, you know, implied in, in conversation. Um, and yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's still there. I mean, racism is still there, obviously, um, in terms of whether or not it's prevalent in the market. I think that's, you know, it's still an issue. Um, there are issues around unconscious bias as well. Um, and I think that's something that I've been, um, a victim to as well, especially going into the law, which is a very sort of male, uh, white dominated um, profession um, I was very aware of putting applications in with a foreign sounding name that people may not be able to to pronounce I've had that in the past as well working with clients who have found it very difficult to call me Kishan so have decided to just anglicize my name um, and yeah it's 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 quite interesting actually but I do definitely feel that it is changing, especially in the wake of everything that's been going on in the States at the moment. I, I do foresee that there will be some significant movement um, in terms of trying to make the marketplace a more inclusive market for all. So, so, so yeah, where do you then stand on the, the Black Lives Matters protests? Uh, obviously, someone being killed, especially uh, in the manner of, of George Floyd, uh, is, is no sense something to take a positive from. Uh, but has this at least given us a, a prompt to, to get this in the headlines, to get this at the, you know, the front of people's minds again? Definitely. Um, it's, it's definitely prompted people to speak out, people that maybe would never speak out before against racism um it's prompted a huge response on uh both sides of the atlantic um obviously you've seen protests all over the world taking place as well um i think in terms of the response from the insurance market it's been positive um i'm seeing very senior members of insurance carriers and brokers coming out speaking against racism um you know, liaising in an ICANN capacity with various CEOs who've come to ICANN and, and are seeking guidance in terms of how to to deal with the Black Lives Matter movement more empathetically on their part and also on their organisation's part has been really positive as well um, because it's not necessarily a conversation that you would have started, you know, a couple of years ago with them in terms of, you know, race. Um so, yeah, I, th- I think it's prompting some really positive responses from, from the market. 
So if I am an insurer or a broker and, you know, I, with this issue in mind, I'm trying to be more conscious about, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the people I employ and, and, and being sort of, you know, less discriminate, um, even if I wasn't perhaps consciously discriminate in the past. Um, what sort of steps would you advise that I take? Yeah, um, there, there are quite a few, actually. ICANN is coming out with um, some guides over the next few weeks uh, targeting organisations and just advising them on, on things that they can implement within their organisation to make it a more diverse organisation and more attractive to those from um, an ethnic minority. Um, so there are things that, that can be done. So, for instance, I mentioned before unconscious bias often creeps into the recruitment um, aspect of an organisation and training can be given on that to hiring managers. Hopefully what you'll then start to see is that, you know, um, there's less unconscious bias and you may start to see more diverse candidates coming through. Um, On the recruitment aspect, there are things such as, you know, um, promoting more of, um, you know, more blind CVs so that there's less bias at that stage. Um, and also around promotions as well. Um, within organisations, you can do some training around unconscious bias and that to hopefully see those barriers come down within the organisation. I think um, reaching out to um, your workforce and you know creating a trust so that um, you know your workforce can start to self-declare. I really believe that that's something that insurance companies should be looking to do now is to focus on their data um, to be able to to understand the figures of how many uh, black, Asian and minority ethnic members they have in their workforce. Um, And so that once they can, they can, you know, see what levels they've got in terms of those, those people, then they can see to how, you know, to implement things that can increase um, more ethnic minority representation within their organisation. Um, I think there are things such as, you know, simple things that, that, that colleagues can do as well, such as being an ally for a black member of staff, um, just starting a conversation about race. It may not be easy for, for somebody who's never spoken about race or even thought about race. I appreciate that it can be quite a, a difficult conversation to have, but even just, you know, speaking to those colleagues and, trying to understand, you know, um, what their journey has been like. And, um, you know, we've done some work around role models as well. Um, We've got a role models book, uh, which we launched last year. We hoped that by highlighting some of the um, senior members of the Black, Asian and minority ethnic um, workforce in the market that we've got at the moment that we could encourage those coming into the market to to look up and see these role models and see actually that they can do it as well and I think organizations can do a similar thing um in terms of you know highlighting members of their 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 organization on say for, for instance on the intranet um senior members of of management could look to um you know, speak to members of their staff about potentially starting their own networks as well. Um, a lot of the large carriers do have their own employee resource groups um, around sort of the different DNI strands. Um, we work quite closely with the uh, Bain employee resource groups from a number of carriers and brokers. Um, 
which is is interesting to see and I mean, those sorts of resource groups can provide a safe space for people in organisations to just have conversations that they feel, you know, they couldn't really have um, with, you know, HR managers or, or, you know, even their own managers, but they still get the support of, of others within that network. So while we're on the subject of breaking barriers, I mean, that's something that you're doing in your personal life too, because you're a, a keen weightlifter. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I really enjoy powerlifting. Um, I, I started actually. I got married in May two thousand and eighteen, um, and I found a local um, ladies' gym which focused on weightlifting. I'd never done it before, and I really needed to get myself in shape for the wedding. So, in January two thousand and eighteen, I joined this small gym in Southeast London, um, and my trainer well my trainer she's still my trainer now um is a powerlifter and she basically got me into powerlifting um and I've just never looked back I've been doing it now for two years and I thoroughly enjoy it there's a an element of of core strength obviously that's needed and which I'm building up at the moment um but uh yeah I love it there's uh, an an art of um being able to to just lift that amount of weight makes you feel really strong. And I really enjoy that. I was going to say, how, do, how does someone go from, you know, just sort of lifting weights at the gym to, to, to really taking it more seriously to, to, for it to become like a passion like that? Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of hard work, definitely. Um, having a good trainer, you can set out, you know, um, what your training will be for, for the next couple of weeks um, in terms of if you're moving up to, to competition level. Um, which is something that I'm still trying to do at the moment. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of discipline that's involved as well um, with your diet and you know going to bed on time and things like that, which are things that I'm, I'm not always uh, great at doing. But um, yeah, I, I just I really enjoy it. Um, it. There's also an element of focus in powerlifting as well because obviously you're lifting so much weight you don't want to drop it on yourself or anything like that. But there's a there's a definite element of focus and it's definitely taught me to be more focused in other areas of my life as well. So when it comes to work um, and also just you know working with ICANN and things like that, it's definitely taught me focus and discipline. D- dare I say though, it's it's not an area that you know sort of people typically see a woman in. So I mean, have you faced any discrimination in this area? Uh, not so much around. I suppose it's perception, for instance. Um, so when I started powerlifting, I had this conversation with my husband, and I said, "Oh, I really enjoy it." And his perception of a, a female powerlifter is completely different to mine in terms of you know he he was just like, "Are you sure you really want to do that?" and you know, uh, are you going to, you know, just like, are you sure you're not going to hurt yourself effectively? And I was like, no, of course not. Um, there are there are plenty of women that do this. I think um, when I had previously gone to the gym, though, I did I did shy away from going to the weightlifting section and, and trying to use weights just because it was so dominated by men um, of a certain size. And I just kind of thought, oh, if I go in there, they'll just think I don't know what I'm doing. And you know, I, I didn't really want to embarrass myself, but finding a, a ladies only gym that specifically, you know, does weightlifting and powerlifting was amazing. Um, and yeah, I can definitely say that it's a very supportive environment to be around. So I haven't really faced discrimination in, in that sense. 
Um, I suppose it's just perceived perception of, of what people think a powerlifter or a weightlifter should look like or act like or, or do effectively. Maybe uh, your husband was worried that you were going to carry him over the threshold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, so please tell us um, how people can, can get hold of you or, or indeed to, to find out more about ICANN. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have a website. Um, so it's www.i-can.me. So I can. Um, we've got a LinkedIn page as well. Um, we have, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram as well. So all the major sort of social media feeds you can find us on um, and you can join up to become a member um, quite easily. You can contact me via LinkedIn. I've got a LinkedIn profile. Um, I think I appear on the DWF website as well, so you should be able to track me down that way. Um, but also, yeah, if anybody wants to get involved with, you know, raising more awareness around multicultural colleagues in the, in the market or if you're just genuinely curious, then definitely visit the website, get in contact with ICANN, um, and if you've got any ideas um, about, you know, your own organisation or any thoughts or just want some guidance on, on how to start the conversation around race, then definitely reach out to us. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you very, very much for your time. Um, yeah, we are obviously sort of run, running out of time right now. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Paul Lucas. This is IB Talk and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of IB Talk. Follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episodes.